This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 502, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Ah, Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, give me the Star Wars, don't let them end. Ah, Star Wars, if they should buy wars, please let me. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 502, The Aftermath. <laughs> uh, 
My name is Ron Richards, and as always, I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And uh, hello, Connor. And sitting in this week for an absent traveling Josh Flanagan is our good friend, comicbook.com's Jim Viscardi. Hello. This is my first pick of the week with Ron. I can't believe it's I know, finally it's happened. It's shocking. It finally happened. And, 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 uh, and it nearly didn't happen, Jim. So, <laughs> oh. I, I am traveling as well, but unlike Josh, I, you know, I'm putting in the work. I'm putting in the time. You have dedication. Um, I have dedication, yes, exactly. I'm in a hotel room, so bear with me if my audio yeah. doesn't sound good. But yeah, we apologize. All right, well, Jim, it's good to be good to be podcasting with you finally. Um, all right, so we are from the website ifanboy.com, and we like comics. And every week we read a whole stack of comics, and one of us uh, deems the book that we thought was the one that we enjoyed the most, and make it the pick of the week. And uh, we'll come here and talk about that book, other books, as well as uh, other stuff. Maybe some of your emails. Although after last week's three-hour extravaganza, <laughs> I never want to see another ifanboy email again. No, I'm just kidding. I love you all, the iFanboys. I ran into, uh, I, I got recognized in a Target in Chicago by a member of the iFanbase. Uh, this guy, Matt, said, hey, are you Ron? I really enjoyed episode 501. Did he like, want to know why you were working there? No, he said, it, well, he later tweeted at me and said he, uh, that I was taller. And that's I, the number one yep. thing we get from people we meet in real life is, yep. is that we're always taller than people think we are. Remember that one guy, Ron, you probably don't, who was stunned into silence when he ran into the three of us at Comic-Con? Yes, I do. Yeah, but Connor, um, I mean, you're like you're, Connor. You're a giant, so it's well. It, it averages out. Ron and I are okay. tall, and Josh is a midget, and so. In... Well, the funny thing is, is that I've never considered myself tall. Like, I feel like I'm average. Like, I'm six foot tall. I mean, like that. I feel like that's just nor Like, you know, any five ten to six foot is like the normal range. I, I don't know, but Jim, you're a shorty. I don't know, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I always find it very, very strange. The the people react and, and like, what do they think we're like five five? Like, what like like we're just like basement mouth breathers who, who aren't tall? Like, I don't understand. It's very Oh. It's anyway, the opposite um, of the Hollywood thing, right? Where you see people on the screen and you think they're tall and then you meet them and they're 5'5". Five five. They're tiny. Yeah, exactly. So, Anyway, okay, well, enough about our height. Um, so a quick word of warning. Uh, we're going to talk about what happened in the books this week. So there will be spoilers. So if you are uh, spoiler uh, scared, uh, press pause and then come back after you've read your books. Um, Connor had the pick of the week, and I, and I picked Connor's pick a mile away. As soon as, as soon as I saw the as soon as I saw the credits on the cover, I knew this would be the pick of the week. Pick of the week is Batman number forty four. It's the clear clear pick for this week in comics. Uh, written by Scott Snyder and Brian Azzarello, with art by Scott Snyder's Witches and Detective Comics compatriot Jock. And this was a uh, classic one shot story that is also still a little bit tied into what's ha- been happening in the in the main story. But this. This comic felt like a throwback in the best possible way in, in which we just get a single story of Bruce Wayne, Batman, uh, t- uh, right after Zero Year. So right after, so he's still very early in his career investigating a dead teenage boy found in a field. And it's just a, it's just a crime story. It's just him investigating a murder. And uh, there's a little bit of the backstory. We, 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 we run into Mr. Bloom, who's the current villain in the, in the current arc. A little, we see a little bit of his early days just on one page, and then, but for most part, it's just Batman trying to figure out why there's a dead teenage boy in a field that no one can figure out um, how he got there. And I thought this was a wonderful little one shot. And and Jock, for my money, can come hang out in Gotham City anytime he wants. Well, I, I think you nailed it when you said this felt like old times because yeah. reading this, I was like, wow, this feels like five years ago. Yeah. And, and it's funny. It's funny how that how is that does that say more about the state of DC now? Yes, it says, okay, so, yeah. says something about it. There's a lot of things going on here. I mean, there's there's been some criticism from some some people because there's uh, so you know spoiler warning. So the kid who was dead was uh, 
see black or Latina. It's hard to tell with the art, but um, there's a ma- I don't see color, Connor. Yeah, I know. I know you're colorblind, Ron. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so this, and it, it turns out he was sh- at one point shot by a cop. So there's a little bit of, of of current events happening in this issue. But really, it's not about him being killed by the police. It's about how basically every facet of society fails this kid, up up to and including Batman and Bruce Wayne himself. So I liked the fact that it wasn't just a parable to the current events. It was also a examination of how people fall through society's cracks in in every way, and uh, it was I thought it was great. It was really I thought it was really emotionally affecting. Uh, it looked beautiful. And um, could, you, could you pick up on the different? So Snyder did the story, and then it looks like Azarello came yes. in and, and did. The, did you pick up on the difference in writing? Yes. Yeah. It was it was, it was scripted by Azarello. Right. It, it just had that feeling where, you know, I want to use the cliche of, you know, being able to go home again and all that yeah. jazz, but it's just like the, <laughs> it just, it felt to me like uh, the, you know, even the early Scott Snyder type stories when he was doing Detective with Jock, um, it just it was like that warm security blanket that uh, really made it feel like that much more of a memorable moment. Like this is, it felt like a one issue event as opposed mm-hmm. to just like a one issue, you know, uh, break issue or whatever. And it, it just came together so perfectly and, and reminded me why I really like Batman as a character, uh, specifically, you know, especially under someone like, uh, Scott Snyder and Azarello. And the thing is like, I'm enjoying the current story, but like, I don't want to read Gordon as Batman. I don't want to read one-handed, hook-handed Alfred. I want, I want this. This is what I want. Not my, not, not my Batman. Hashtag not my Alfred. Um, <laughs> not my Alfred. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this is what I want. I want Commissioner Gordon and a trench coat and Batman investigating crimes and Alfred having two hands so he can serve his tea. And yep. this is what I want. And uh, this is what I got this month. So this has made me extremely happy. Not, uh, not only that, but you got Jock, which is like you it's said. Just, it's gorgeous. It's yep. just not fair. It's just not even fair how good he is. It's there was like, one yeah. page very early on where I just wanted to walk around my office and show everybody, but then they would have known I was reading comics at my desk, so they didn't do that. But, <laughs> Don't let them know. Um, there's just this, there's just a shot of Batman standing over the body. It's, it's a low angle shot, and it's just it's just a gorgeous looking shot of Batman. I mean, he's he draws him so well, and I love his stuff on witches, and it, it, you know it's all great, but. Uh, that run on Detective was was so epic, and it's really just nice to see him come back one one more time. My only nitpicky bit of criticism for the issue is I'm not the biggest fan of like the the muddy color palette. Mm-hmm. Um, I like oh, it. Oh yeah, Did, who colored this? Did Hollingsworth color? Lee Lowrich. Oh, Lee colored it. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, but other than that, it was it was that much. So it, Connor, if the Batman world. If like the next issue was this cotton like that Bruce in the suit, Alfred with two hands, like and just forgetting everything that happened, would you even care? Would you? I'm always in favor of just pulling the fuck it. We're gonna ignore everything. (laughs) Root of storytelling. I mean, the 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 problem comics always runs into is when when everything tries to get explained, and uh, because you can't explain it all. And my my thing was always like Hawkman's all screwed up. We'll just let's just ignore everything and tell new Hawkman stories and forget it. And so I'd be totally fine if. You know, Alfred steps wait, out of the wait, shower wait, wait, and he's got is, two is hands. Is Hawkman screwed up? Is Hawkman screwed up? I, I assume so. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you what's screwed up: that costume for the TV show. <laughs> oh, well, has it's he, come a long way since Smallville. So, well, yeah, well, could yeah, be a lot worse. Jim's our resident TV stills expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I would be fine with that if they just said, you know what, 
you know, we're going to forget Damien ever existed. We're going to forget Alfred's got one hand. We're going to just forget everything that happened and just tell new Batman stories. I would be 100% fine with it. Uh, now, there'll be a lot of people who would have coronaries on Wednesday at comic store, but I, I, I would not be one of them. Uh, so I'd be fine. I, I kind of I wish they would do that. Not you know, it's, it's an old school style. I mean, remember, yeah. uh, I wrote about this a long time ago on the website. When Mark Wade took over Captain America, he had, you know, he had died. He had had the metal suit. He had all, all these things that happened to him. And what, what, what did they do? They just, Red Skull pulled a bunch of levers on a big machine and he out came Cap like he always was. And they just, that's all they did. He just moved on. They just, at a certain point, you just got to move on. And just move on. It's good your, advice. From your bad decisions. So Hey, comics, comics industry, just move on. Just move on. <laughs> so, that's uh, a new slogan. That's a new slogan. I'm going to make a t-shirt that says comics <laughs> industry, just move on. <laughs> so this was, this was, for me, the clear pick. Um, yeah. I had the most fun reading. This is also an oversized issue. I know people were complaining also about the price, but it was, it was like ten more pages or something like that than you normally how much, get. How much was it? Four ninety nine. Of course it was. Any so standard Marvel book. Yeah, right. Standard Marvel. But any opportunity for DC to jack up the price on Batman, they'll do it. They'll take it. Well, what else do yeah. they got going? Yeah, no, no, not a whole, not a whole lot. That's for sure. <laughs> they got to cover some bills. <laughs> so uh, Batman forty four. This is a great one shot story. You can read it. On your own, you can read it as part of the overall story, as sort of a flashback to Mister Bloom, which is, you know, not integral to this particular story so much, but it's there anyway, so you know where he came from. Um, or you can just enjoy it as a great comic, which it is. So, so there you go. I also really enjoyed, and Mar- uh, Ron, I don't believe we had a chance to talk about this book with you yet. Uh, Starve, number four from Image, Brian Wood. Uh, I, how do you say that name? I'm, I'm not going to work here anymore. <laughs> so, uh, Danny Zeje. Uh, Danny Zeje, yeah. And Dave Stewart. The story about the post-apocalyptic sort of, well, not post-apocalyptic, but post-economic uh, apocalyptic cooking show, Starve. And uh, I love how bonkers this book is. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's absolutely bonkers and it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I read the first issue on a lark. Now when, I, when a new issue comes out, I get really excited that it's here and I, I read it right away. Yeah, this is bonkers. I mean, it's it's funny because you know there's a lot of you know I mean you could you know so it's Brian Wood's take on the celebrity chef world and and it's very clear you can easily read this and see where the Bourdain influence comes from. Oh, one hundred percent. And and you know things like that and just like kind of the references to you know the cooking in the seventies and eighties and what it was like but back in the day and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, but but there's a level of insanity to this which is you know and, and like what's 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 funny is that. I find myself like Wood is balancing enough of uh, so the the main the chef guy is uh, Chef Crookshank or whatever is it Gavin Crookshank you know he's balancing this you know uh, reality television show competition that he's forced to compete in with the drama of his personal life and his and his estranged wife and his child and all that stuff and I find myself it's like giving us just enough of a taste huh. Pun unintended. Just enough of a taste of either story to leave me wanting more on both sides. Well, there's there's a, there's a little yeah. bit of there's a sousson of DMZ in here. There's a, there's a little bit of Anthony Bourdain. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different influences going on here. I mean, this is yeah. a world in which the have and have nots have come even further apart to the point where everyone who's not a not an elite is just living in poverty, and and the elites are entertained by these crazy TV shows and. So there's that going on, which is very DMZ-esque, and then there's the examination of he's either a foodie or he's got a foodie advisor for this book because you get yeah. very much into the food as well, which I like quite a bit. But in this issue, so in episode four of Starve, uh, they've got to go cook in different restaurants all across the city, which is hard enough, but they actually have to 
<laughs> invade the restaurant, fight the chefs that are in there, hold the restaurant, and then cook their meal while while people are trying to attack them, which which was just <laughs> just bonkers. I mean, it's been kind of not uh, not that bonkers up to this point. This is where it got kind of like crazy. I haven't been reading this, but you have just sold me on it. So now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go back and read it. Forces, go back and read it. I am going back and reading it because this sounds like. A book right up my alley. Well, the first yeah, issue yeah. started, and you felt like it was going to be a spy story, the way the character was introduced, but it was all about a celebrity chef, and then there's been a lot of drama with his daughter and his, his wife up till now, but now, and he said, that he said to cook strange meals, but they've always been sort of standard cooking stuff. Now it's like, go out, and you've got to hold 24 restaurants in 24 hours or something like that, and yeah. it's crazy. It's fun. Yeah, no, like, like like it ends on the cliffhanger of the, like their their first challenge was they had you know forty five minutes to you know go to a cafe and defeat you know the 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 other the, the kitchen staff and then make an appetizer and then and then the next challenge is they've got seven hours to go to a restaurant and defeat the kitchen staff and then do a table service for thirty people. Yeah, and it's like oh my god, like it, it's like it's balancing the, the 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 rigors of working in a restaurant kitchen, but with this idea of doom and and violence, and it's yeah. like honestly. This is almost like what I wish Bourdain had done with his with the Get Giro graphic novel, you know, and, right. and and you know, instead he went in a different direction and it was a little more, you know, sensational and and less realistic or whatever. But this is, you know, the, the this has got a very dark color palette. It's very very dark tone. It's very a lot of uh, night scenes and and shadows and things like that. But I find myself I want to see more food. Like it's <laughs> well, there's a lot of here for yeah. a food lover to love. I mean, yeah, they really yeah, exactly. do get into the food of it. And it was the last issue I think was the one with the pig where they. Went they went on to cook how you cut up and cook the pig. So there's a lot yep. going on here to love. There's a little, a little recipe card that shows what they're making and like what, how, how to do it. And like, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah, Jim, you should check it out. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. I like it. So now, Ron, I'm really excited that you're here because yes. uh, Phonogram, the Material Girl number two is out. You missed the, issue, the episode of the first one. The Immaterial Girl. I'm sorry, the Immaterial yeah. Girl. Yeah, yeah. You missed the first yeah, was, time, so I was at, I was out when the first issue came back, and and let me just say, phonograms back, and it's just so so good. <laughs> Jim, are you reading this? I I am in the same way that I read it the first time around, where I I have a good grasp of what I think is going on, but I'm glad I was able to do this episode because I'm sure I need Ron to explain it a bit for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, it's, I mean, it's, it, and it's funny because this week also had the release of Wicked and Divine number 14, which is, um, you know, which, you know, so there it's Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Yeah, it's a, a nice little scheduling snafu where you get a double whammy of um, Gill and McKelvey. And it's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine about them who's a big fan of Gill and McKelvey, and he described the difference between Phonogram and Wicked and Divine. Like, Phonogram made him fall in love with the band, and then Wicked and Divine is like the band's mainstream record. Interesting. And, and Phonogram Immaterial Girl is them like coming back and going back to their roots and doing like a, their original sound, like that sort of thing, which is kind of funny. Their next project is their Vegas show. Yeah, yeah, or no, probably the greatest hits record will happen before that. Right. Yeah. But, but um, no, but a photogram immaterial girl, I'm loving it. Um, you know, really, all you need to like, you don't need to. I mean, it ties into the greater photogram lexicon, like into the greater photogram, you know, kind of universe. But all you really need to know is that this main girl, Emily Astor, the girl with the dark hair, she sold half of her soul uh, for power, basically, and and then what has happened is is that her dark side has been trapped. And now her dark side made a play and emerged into our reality. And while her good side is now trapped in the world of music videos, that's all you need to know. 
Um, yeah, I, I knew I, I followed this one much better than I did the first one. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, yeah. was I yeah. felt a little bit hard, but this I got it here. Yeah, especially for someone like me or Ron, who's a little bit older and grew up on all these music videos that she's coursing her way through. Not that younger people wouldn't know what they are, but I mean, like you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, "Take on Me" uh, by Aha and 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 "Material Girl" by Madonna are two classic videos. I would I would really feel really sad if the well, Jim, you're a thriller, you know, thriller I, as well. Yeah, so those, right, yeah. Did those debut on Vimeo or I don't I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I would be really bad if people if kids these days don't know about the Material Girl video because that, that was a that's a great video. But um, nice little nice little callback to uh, Phonogram Singles Club and there's a one page when Emily's dark side puts on music and is you know kind of getting in her dark clothes. That was a, a lot of throwback to the scene in Phonogram Singles Club issue one when uh, Penny is getting ready to go out that night. Yeah, you know some similar phrase, some similar panels and things like that in there. Um, no, I love it. I think this is great. This is Gillian McKelvey doing what they do best, and I, I, I almost say I like this better than Wicked in the Vine because it's you know of course it's characters I know and it ties into the music side of things, but I just feel like you you feel the love with this book. So is the um, king behind the screen Michael Jackson? Is there, are they saying that? I mean, he is. He is the personification of Michael Jackson in a Thriller video. We just can't see him because he's, he's staticed out, but. Right. Are they saying he's the, like the devil? Is that what, is that their? I don't know if he's the devil, but he's definitely yeah. I mean, he, it's 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 taking that form at least. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I love the aha guy. Oh god, the aha sequences were the best. They're so good. <laughs> but I, I think the highlight of this is that at one point uh, we see David Cole, who is the protagonist from the first uh, Phonogram series, and uh, somebody takes a picture of him. And he, the way, if you look at the the panel of him posing for the picture, how Kieran uh, it's it's literally Kieran Gillen. It's literally like, <laughs> like Jamie Drew. It. Like that's exactly how Kieran poses for photos. <laughs> but I mean, this is also the issue where I really saw the parallel between the two of them. And I was like, yes. oh, I wonder if he was autobiographical the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Probably it's hard not to be, especially with with Kieran's interest in music and 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 his thoughts about the power of music and things like that. But um, um, but yeah, no, this is great. I love it. And then um, on the other side of the fence, Wicked Divine number fourteen came out this week, and I thought it was worth mentioning because you know by schedule and you know how were they able to put it out two issues in one week? Wicked Divine number fourteen is a complete remix issue, right? Where all of the art is is from previous issues of Wicked Divine. Well, here's your greatest hits album. I thought it was an interesting little experiment, you know, to see if you could make a complete issue out of, you know, already done artwork and like either reposition it or add color filters or do, you know, Matt Wilson worked overtime on this issue. You know, it's clear like he was the difference maker on it. Um, well, but I that's it what I love about this entire creative team is that you can always count on them every couple of issues or so to really try and push comics to sort of its limit as, as from a from a reading experience from a story experience like it, it there is a clear reason why these guys are so great at what they do and this issue i feel like is a a picture perfect uh, you know reason yeah yeah and, and, and the thing is, is that like, especially with with phonogram making its kind of return you know go back to that first phonogram series and look how far they've come yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's the other thing too. Like, as far as like mastering craft and like we've ba- we've basically over the past ten years have been able to watch these guys become better and better creators through the lens of these characters and these kind of stories. And it just it, it just I, I I can't you know they're you know I'll, I'll continue to be huge fans of them and and will be for their whole career. I mean I just love it. It's great. Are you enjoying this series as much as 
Yeah, you, I'm I mean, enjoying it. I mean, I, re- I really like this issue. I thought this issue, this issue of Wicked Divine, you know, kind of, you know, answered a bunch of questions and shed light on a bunch of stuff. And you saw who killed the judge in Lucifer's trial and all this sort of stuff. Um, I love the fact that you know uh, that the Tron guy is basically Jamie living out his uh, obsession with the look of Tron. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just uh, all in all, I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's a different type of thing. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, it, they're all both steeped in the world of pop and 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 culture and things like that. But with Phonogram more on the music side and and you know Wicked Divine more on the deity, you know, kind of God side, you know, like religious side. I'm not as interested in the religious stuff, but. You know, it's still it's just beautiful to look at, and it's just I feel like you know, like I'm I'm with it. You know, and I've heard I've heard criticisms that it plays a little too close to the Tumblr crowd and things like yeah. that, but I'm, I'm but I don't care. I mean, it's fine. They, they you know whatever they can do it wrong. Play to your audience. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, but I just love that phonogram is back, and I can't wait to get the. I want them to put them all into one big volume and just have the one big volume of phonogram. That'll be great. I was surprised to see this next book on the list for reasons we'll get into in in the email section. Okay. So what's the full title, by the way? I don't know. Jer- Star Wars Journey to the Force Awakens, Shattered Empire number one. Oh, <laughs> boy. We got a new, we got a new we one. Got a, we got a new contender. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what, what is, so, so Star Wars Journey to the Force Awakens. So Star Wars as a header. Yeah. Right. Journey to the Force Awakens, colon, Shattered Empire number one. Right. Yep. So, this, so Connor, I assume you didn't read this. As you're, 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 Absolutely you're, not. Okay, so Jim, do you you read you had to read this? Right? I did. We should we should. I want to want to put another buffer spoiler buffer here because if you don't want to know the can any connection to the Force Awakens, fast forward a minute. No. Or <laughs> he said, yeah, but here's the th- here's the thing is that like I'm, Connor and I are, are in a strict media blackout when it comes to the Force Awakens because right, I know so personally I just want to be surprised when I go see it and all that sort of stuff. But you but, read the um, book. But I read the book, yeah, because this has nothing to do with the Force Awakens. But it does. No, but it doesn't. It, so the the book. Well, first off, the, the reason why I read the book was combination of the the sweet sweet Phil Noto cover uh, with, with with clapping Lando, um, <laughs> and um, and it's it's Greg Rucka writing it and Marco Chiquetto, and they were the, that team that worked on Punisher. So that that was like, mm-hmm. oh cool, I want to see what they did. And Connor, it takes place during the the battle in, in Jedi, and then the next day. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, it's, it's, you know, clearly, you know, it's them rewriting the expanded universe and fine, you know, like whatever. And I started, I got about halfway through it. And I, all I could think of was just going, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no. Why? No. What happened? I want this. I don't want to know this. No. <laughs> See, there you go. That's why I didn't read it. Yeah, I'm just like, no, 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 no. That's all. <laughs> actually, you know what? The full title is actually Star Wars. Journey to Star Wars: The Force Awakens, Shattered Empire, uh, according to Comicsology. There you go. So you got, you got two Star Wars in there but, for the um, price of one. This title is yeah, better and better. So get introduced. It's a lot of colons. Get introduced to a couple where the the woman is a pilot in in the the fighter squadron. She's an A wing pilot, and her husband is is one of the troopers that was in Han. It was in the Endor Force. And um, so you see the the battle from their point of view, and then there's a little bit of the party, and then the next day, turns out there's an encampment of, of Imperials on the other side of the moon, and Han and Chewie are pulling together a group to go root them out. And I was just like, yeah, this doesn't need to happen. <laughs> right? I, look, I, um, I, it looked great. I, it was a very, very good-looking book. Um, oh. <laughs> 
I I li- I really liked this issue through uh, through and through, and I liked the supposed connection to the Force Awakens. And to me, it's just one of those things where did you know, I miss did, did I miss the supposed connection? What is the connection? Uh, whoa, that... whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Connor, 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 can you put your headphones down? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my headphones down. All right. Well, yeah. So the Dameron guy and the lady are supposed, you know, the, the idea that everyone else is taken from it is that they are Poe Dameron's parents. I don't know who Poe Dameron is. Who's that? Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Oh, stop. I don't want to know this stuff. I don't want to know this stuff. <laughs> All right. I'll tell Connor to come back. See, now I, I, I see, I, I heard you scream. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I didn't want to read this. Now, I don't know this. But it, doesn't, it didn't say that in the book. That's all, that's all assumption. Well, it's because right? you didn't know the character's last name because you're not paying attention close enough. No, I'm not. Pay, I'll pay attention when, in, on December 18th when I see the goddamn movie. Right. Well, it was right there in front of you. All right. Well, let me oh, make well. an amendment while you guys were discussing that. I, I did some more digging. It's actually just Journey to Star Wars, colon, The Force Awakens, <laughs> dash, Shattered Empire, number one. There's no double Star Wars in the title. Oh, that's unfortunate. All right. That's yeah. unfortunate because before we were looking at 68, 68 characters in the title, and I think that might have been the new record. But <laughs> Also, also uh, mark this timestamp so when you edit it, you don't hear what we uh, just talked about. I'm just going to oh, yeah. skip it. Yeah, just skip it. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, the thing is that I, I, I thought this is interesting because it takes place after Jedi, and I didn't realize it literally took place 30 minutes after Jedi. <laughs> Moments. <laughs> now, is this something I should download and read after the movie comes out? I mean, I'm sure it'll be collected by that point. Oh, I guess not. Yeah. Maybe the first three, three or four issues, I guess, will be out. I really didn't. I mean, aside from what Jim just told us, which I didn't, I didn't realize while reading it. I, there's nothing that gives away. In, right, in but the I'm movie. saying, listen, to take that away. Is it a good story? Is it a good issue? Yeah. Is it fun? Should I, I read I mean, it? Yes, but it, if you ask me, if you told me this is a Dark Horse, you know, uh, expanded universe story, I would believe it. Like it didn't, it didn't feel as special as Jason Aaron's Star Wars book to me. Uh, but you know what? But I, but I feel like there were enough of the main characters involved that it, it. Because that's my biggest criticism of some of the Star Wars books, and I guess we'll talk about it when we talk about Darth Vader, is that um, I like it when I can make sort of clear connections and see the things that I know in the story, and I know that's probably bad for storytelling or whatever, but from a commercial standpoint, I think it's a brilliant idea. No, but, um, but, but that's the thing, and maybe we should just move Darth Vader up and talk about it now, right, but... Um, Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. But the thing is that, like, I find with these stories that the less the core characters that I know and love are in it, the less I'm interested in it. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But I I felt like there was enough in Shattered Empire to to get me. Like, I like that, you know, uh, the the pilot is part of Han's team. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just like it's like so so so. You like you like. Did you like Vader, uh, Darth Vader number nine or not? Or... I'm I'm starting I'm starting to to lose my faith in the book a little bit. Not because um, it's just I like when Darth Vader is a force of nature, and I think that the Vader in this series is a little too chatty. The more but, yes, um, that was my problem. The issues I read, and the more you know yes. about these characters, the less interesting they become. It's like. Well, yeah, no, and and I I started out really loving Vader. I mean, I, Jim, I think you and I talked about it just off like personally that Vader yeah. was, Vader was the was the, the standout book, the standout, the secret, you know, the sleeper hit of the Star Wars books. And now that we're nine issues in, it's kind of getting. And I don't know if it's if this is a Kieran thing or whatever, but it's getting a little long in the tooth. 
You know, like like the, the story that the, the story that they've got going. I'm like, all right, let's kind of wrap this up. You know, although yeah. I will admit that there was an enormous high point in the issue, and Connor almost to the point where I would tell you to 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 get a, get go to the comic store and check this out just to see it. But at one point, Vader is on a planet. And he's video conferencing with an Imperial officer. <laughs> and you see it from the Imperial officer's point of view, and it's the weird little hologram, you know, like the little yeah. hologram view. And then they cut to the planet, and Vader is sitting on top of his TIE fighter, like Indian style, but like with one leg hanging down, holding this little orb of the of the thing. And it's just like, <laughs> hey, it's casual Vader. I'm sitting on the hood of my car. No. Like, yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things so- I do not want. Just hanging out with, here, admiring, so, uh, admiring the scenery. So much wrong with it; it's not even funny. Did he have a Letterman jacket on? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and I'm also starting to like the the anti three PO and R two are. Uh, yeah, like I thought they were great at first, but now I'm like, all right, I get it. Yeah. They're murder. They're murder bots. It just, it just got. It just, it's just the story's got to move a little faster. That's all. Yeah. But are you okay with a casual Vader? I I, I thought casual Vader made me laugh, so I'm fine with it. I mean, it's wrong. I said no, but it made, but but it was just funny enough to make me laugh. Was he waiting for Molly Ringwald to come out of the church then? <laughs> yeah, might have been. Yeah. Yes, he was very Judd, uh, very Judd Nelson esque, actually. <laughs> so, uh, hey, if you like this show, if you like this podcast, if you like iFanboy in general, uh, there are several ways you can show your support, and we love and thank everybody who's done that thus far. Uh, go to iFanboy.com/support, and the easiest and and honestly best way that you can support us is by clicking on the link to go shop at Amazon. Um, if you click on the Amazon.com link from iFanboy.com slash support, uh, you get to buy cool stuff from Amazon, which we know you're doing anyway, and then we get a little cut of it. No no money comes out of your pocket. It all comes out of Jeff Bezos' pocket. Uh, so <laughs> click on that Amazon link, and then any purchases you make, uh, we get a little bit of, so we thank you for that. If you want to support us more directly, you can click on our membership program, where for $3 a month or $30 a year, you can say, hey, I really support iFanboy. I like this podcast. I want to help them out. Um, and we thank everybody who has done that. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to, you know, have a a monthly or yearly uh, uh, donations uh, going, you can just donate one time through PayPal. Just uh, any amount that you like. Uh, if you Jeff Bezos and need to have your pockets lightened a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you can and listen any amount. If you want to set a hundred dollars, you can do that. So uh, just click on the donate via PayPal button, and we thank everyone for their support. Without you, we wouldn't be here for over five hundred episodes. There you go. Ifanboy.com slash support. There's your script there. Giant size, little Marvel number four, not number nine. Yes. Yep. I realized as I was putting the script together that I had read issue one of this and never went back. No, so am I the only one who read this? Yep. Yes. All right. This book has been a ton of fun. So here I have got a, a little bit of admission. I want to read it. I'm going to go back and read it, I think. Yeah. But anyway, go on. So. Uh, my, my first comic uh, had the ex-babies in it. And so... When it comes how, to child, that's how young you are. Your <laughs> first comes, comic had the goddamn X babies. Was, was it the was it the Arthur Adams X babies or was it yeah. Jacob Chabot? No, it was Arthur Adams X babies. Okay, at least that. Whew, all right yeah. then. Okay. <laughs> uh, so ever since then, I have a, a a place in my heart for childlike versions of Marvel heroes. Listen, right? you go so, back to Muppet Babies. That's a seminal yep. cartoon in in Ron and I's generation. Yep. I like yep. that. I mean, I always enjoy infantilization versions of the characters. Right, it's, it's, it's getting weird now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is this is Scotty Young through and through with John Francois Bilyeu as, as uh, on colors, and it's been the story is uh, up until this point has been there these 
two uh, a boy and a girl have moved into Marville, and uh, you know it's where the Avengers and uh, X Men babies, or they're not babies, they're young. That's actually a joke that they make in this issue. It's actually pretty funny. But anyway, uh, they have tree houses, and they're trying to recruit these two kids to their teams. And so at the end of every issue, a new team essentially comes into play. And so uh, you know, so the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, came in, uh, and they're all you know a bunch of jokes and whatever, and trying to win these people over. Uh, and then in this issue it feels like Scotty is literally poking fun sort of at himself and sort of at the, the general mass hysteria about uh, really on a bunch of Marvel things, including the frenzy behind, uh, you know, the young variants of these characters. And so the Inhumans come in and, you know, there's a joke about them. And then the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants come in and joke about them. I mean, it is just, it is fun. It feels like, you know, feels like Looney Tunes and it, it really... It's just a great time. So I remember enjoying issue one. And I think just because I've just got I've got my Battle World blinders on, I just forgot. So because I, there's ninety Secret Wars tie-ins. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I am uh, currently downloading all the four issues of this book. Yeah. Jim, you might know the answer to this question. When does Battle World end? Does it ever <laughs> end? Are we in this forever? Is it just the new? Is it? Is it just the reality we have to live with? That's the reality we have to. Live I'd like with. to get back to reading some Marvel books. <laughs> yeah no theoretically when we reach the end of secret wars where they've now tacked on another issue too so you know maybe sometime in 2016 you know hopefully we'll get a unified marvel universe at in some portion of it i mean it feels like they're just going to pick and choose what they like and that's what we're going to get and that's what that's what's going to stay so the, the last issue of um secret wars is december now right yes yeah so okay so next year it's a long yeah. time. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. And the th- but the thing is, is that we're starting to see stuff get solicited. Like we saw like the Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange. Yeah. We're going to run into the point where books are going to start coming out from the new, all new, all different, or whatever it's called now, Marvel Universe, that will either spoil parts of <laughs> Secret Wars or, or what. But they're going full steam ahead, regardless of whether or not the... the event is over or not. So. And then in the classic Marvel way. There you go. That's right. Oh God! All right. Well, I took I took a flyer and read uh, Harley Quinn's Road Trip Special Number One because I know Harley Quinn's very popular, and I was like, oh, check out. You know, Amanda Connor doesn't draw this. Yes, I do know that. Okay. <laughs> if you had asked yeah, me, I, I would have that. told you that. Oh, all right. Yeah. Then I then I then I promptly put it back down. She uh, she's going to be drawing the new one they just announced, the second okay. Harley Quinn book that's going to be bi-monthly. She's going to be drawing that. Uh, yeah, well, with, with other special job. guest artists, I assume Darwin Cook will be there at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that was fun. I mean, it's wacky and it's fun and that sort of thing, but I was really disappointed that she doesn't draw it. She does the covers. I didn't read this, even though I read the regular book, because I feel like I'm at Harley Quinn saturation point. And I realize yeah, it's only one, one, one series. And I'm going to read the second one because of the Amanda Connor art. But, yeah. like, Harley Quinn's the kind of character we, we, we talk about a lot that's really, really great in small doses. Yeah, I'll just wait till Suicide Squad comes out because they're going to see a lot more of her. Yeah, so I just I, I feel like every month, and it, the book is so over the top that it was really fun and refreshing at first, but now it's just kind of like I don't know if I can continue reading uh, these these adventures every month. These are all good books. And there's a reason why they're popular, but I just feel like, yeah. and I don't I don't necessarily want to read The Punisher every month. I don't want to read like sec, we did, we're not talking about it. All Star Section Eight. We talked about it last time. How. Maybe these aren't characters you want to follow as main characters. You know, some characters are just supporting characters, and that's okay. It's, it's okay to be a supporting character and right. not a main character. But uh, So that's why I didn't read this one. Sorry. All right. 
No problem. I did read Miss Marvel 18, though, which one of the few Marvel books I am reading through the Battle World Secret Wars thing. And uh, what I really liked about this issue was this, this, this issue wrapped up the team-up between Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel in which uh, Captain Marvel has to sort of break the news to Miss Marvel that the world is sort of ending. <laughs> and uh, it sucks for her, but that's just what's happening. I liked the examination of a young hero in way over her head in this, in this particular world. She, she's so focused on saving her, her town. It's, it's Hoboken, right? Or is it uh, Jersey City? It's, Jersey City. Uh, it's all the same. They're both the same to me. Uh, the other yeah. side of the river. Yeah, she's all, so focused on that, she doesn't realize that the, <laughs> the world is ending. <laughs> the world is ending around her, and I like that that uh, examination. And I'll be very interested to see what survives uh, into the all new world because uh, I, I guess next issue is it says to be concluded next issue, which seems like there's a lot of leeway between next issue and the end of the year. But well, well she's on the new Avengers team, isn't she? I know she's surviving clearly. She's a really popular character, but like how much of this story is surviving? Because in this issue, her her mom reveals that she knows that. Uh, Miss Marvel is Miss Marvel, so or Kamala is Miss Marvel. Um, but this is such a beautiful-looking book. I, I think this is just one of the breath of fresh airs in comics right now that I'm really enjoying. Um, and they continue to find really fun ways to sort of reinvent the young superhero uh, genre and uh, also make her really, really appealing right up to the cover, which I think is a really great representation of the characters with thought balloons. So uh, Miss Marvel 18 was really great. All right, cool. Did you read the Shield 50th anniversary Quake issue? No, the one I did. Yeah, I thought that this 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 jumped out at me because it was written by uh, We Can Never Go Home's uh, Matt Rosenberg and Patrick Kinlan. And I, who's the artist on it? I forget. I don't have it in front of me. But the um, an artist I'd never heard of. Oh, well, I heard of him, but I totally am blanking on. I'm him blanking once. on his name too. Yeah, but um, very Chaikin esque. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But very Chaikin esque art at times. I was like, oh, I like this. But yeah, it was good. It was fun. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, uh, the the you know kind of shoving down our throats the Agents of Shield Sky character revelation that she's Daisy Johnson from Secret Warriors. You know, like that. That is clearly what they're doing. But it was done in a nice little kind of classic Avengers tale. And for those eagle-eyed readers, might notice that the name all the names of the shield agents were members of the gorilla biscuits this was actually a lot of fun i only have two nitpicky uh things about it and one is positive one i don't get one i loved that the the time period in which the story took place because i really liked that avengers lineup when Bendis was writing yeah. it mainly because i really like red hulk was that your first comic <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> But in this, you get in, you get introduced to who inevitably we find out in Agents of Shield is Sky slash Quake slash Daisy's mother, and she's you know happy yeah. go lucky, but in the show she's crazy pants. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. There's only so much you can do. Whatever. I know. Only so much. So those are the books we're going to talk about this week. Go to ifanboy.com, and you can find the post for this show, and you can comment on these books or other books, whatever you read in comics or whatever's on your mind in comics this week is over at ifanboy.com. So last week we did the big 501st episode with lots of your emails. So many of them we didn't get to go to, so we're going to have a lot of emails to catch up on on this show, so we're going to add, add some to the normal rundown. But before we get to these emails, Ron... Should we make Jim explain his dumbass pudding email? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think there's some there's a reckoning that's that, that's that's needed to be here. I was very disappointed. Look, some of these things are not to be read out loud. I put that in there for you to <laughs> chuckle 
And that, and but I also knew that at the time I emailed it, it would probably show up late in the show, and you guys would be wasted. And <laughs> you had no way to know it would be Josh who was wasted. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so sure enough, uh, you know, I I sent it in, and look, you guys answered it anyway. So who's the sucker now? We, that's, that's a good that's point. A, that's, that's what we do, point. though. People send us emails yeah. and we answer them. That's our job. We're, just, we're an email answering machine. That's right. all. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to Adam M. from Indiana writes and says, At the moment, it seems Star Wars The Force Awakens is avoiding the Age of Ultron-style teaser and trailer blitz that many of us found to be a bit too much. The promos we've seen so far of The Force Awakens give very little insight into the plot. At present, it seems like the fl- filmmakers seem intent on not spoiling it before it's released. I was wondering how each of you is planning your personal journey to The Force Awakens. Have you implemented any sort of self-imposed Star Wars media blackout? Are you planning to consume the various books, comics, other promotional material? Also, did any of you buy anything on Force Friday? Let's answer that question first. Last question first? Fuck no. <laughs> no? No, I, no, no Sphero BB-8 for you? I locked myself in my apartment and didn't come out all day Friday because it's just a... a it, it doesn't mean anything. I'm still... I, here's, the, here's my problem. I'm still stinging... I, listen, I waited in line at Toys R Us on Jericho Turnpike in May of 1999, and I bought three of every one of those goddamn Episode 1 figures. Right? I was so excited for Rick Oley and Captain Tanaka, and, and, and where did that... <laughs> Got me, got me nowhere. So I, I wasn't gonna, you know, I wasn't gonna be fooled again this time. I didn't buy anything, but I, I had BB-8 bought for me. Oh, that's so nice. I don't. I still can say I did not buy anything on. I, I find for it the really same fascinating that, that everybody's falling in love with BB-8, and when they finally see the movie and find out he's a horrible racist droid. That's, <laughs> I made that joke already on Twitter, Ron. You gotta, you gotta. Um, Yes, I mean it's a, it's an adorable and awesome uh, toy that also is the first step to our eventual demise at the hands of the robots. <laughs> I mean, it really the, is clear. The winner on Force Friday was Sphero. Talk about a company you never heard of before last week, and then yeah, now they're everywhere. Cow. Yep. So, and uh, so, Jim, did you buy anything on Force Friday? I bought one thing. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to get a, a Black Series. You know, Kylo Ren. Whoa! whoa, whoa. No names. Oh. No names. No names. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> I ended up with something else. <laughs> you went for one thing and didn't get it. You got something else. Yep. This is a good indication for Adam M. about how seriously Ron and I are taking Here we go. our Star Wars The Force Awakens media blackout. I don't even want to know character names. I don't yep. want to know anything. I'm right there with you. As you could, as evidenced earlier, when you when you stepped away, Connor, I didn't know who you was talking about. I haven't even seen the second teaser. They put that little teaser. I didn't even see that. I didn't even watch it. Yeah, no, I didn't, they did something on Instagram. I avoided that like the plague. Yeah. Um, I, I've only seen the two trailers that I've seen in movie theaters. That 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 has been my only allowance. I avoided all the Vanity Fair article, the Entertainment yep. Weekly article. Like I've avoided it all. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm actually pretty fucking pissed. Because Marvel announced that C-3PO one-shot that James Robinson's yeah. writing, and like that gave away a huge thing that I, I'm actually that that's the one thing that now I feel has been spoiled for me, and I'm pissed. It's almost getting impossible to avoid these things. Yeah. It's going to get worse as the time goes on. I had, I had somebody, I had somebody the Entertainment Weekly article and a paper clip, and I said, please, clip together the Star Wars pages, <laughs> so I cannot, so I won't see them. That you're probably drowning in stills, right? Oh yeah, drowning in stills. Drowning lots in of photos, gal- lots photos. of galleries. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> movie stills. But look, here's, here's things you, you didn't thing. notice in the trailer. 
<laughs> Eight moments in the trailer that made us blow our mind. It takes place in Star Wars. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> People love that stuff. Anyway. But so are you, I assume you're wide open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think it's unfair to assume that Star Wars is not going to go the Age of Ultron route because it's still a little bit early for that. I bet by the middle of next month, that Disney machine is going to be churning out 42 clips. I don't think they are. No, listen, listen I, I'm with Jim. Like, it is now, it's the middle of September. We have a long way to go till December. I agree, days. but I think, I think that J.J. has a, I think he, they had to give him certain concessions to do this film, and he has a long track record of not releasing any information about his movies. Is he more powerful than Kevin Feige? <laughs> yes, yes, because they wanted him to direct the movie, and in order to get him to do that, he probably said, "You cannot." That's what he does. He doesn't like. To, he wants people to see the movie. But there were, I think there were, there were a lot of, there were a lot of clips for Star Trek. But yeah, there were, yeah. So. But that would, I, th- I feel like that was a bigger hill to climb. Fair yeah, much. Star Trek. He didn't have the. He didn't like, like Cloverfield. Didn't have any information on it whatsoever. I mean, this is. But that was purely JJ, though. This right, was, but I mean, that's that's his mo. He said he left, that's what he he wants. He doesn't want people to. He thinks people know too much about movies before they go to them. So, I can see your point that Disney will turn the machine on in the next couple of months. But I can also see the point of, in order to get me to direct this movie that you really want me to direct, I would I need you to not do that. They're just gonna give us three second clips on Instagram from now to eternity. It's gonna be hard though, Ron. We're gonna have to go into some sort of Oh no, I, I I've been building a bunker in my backyard actually. <laughs> I'm planning on uh in at the end of this month I'll be descending and I'll be locking myself and coming out on December eighteenth and yeah. <laughs> like Star Wars Jesus? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, Jim, are you? You obviously have to be deep into it because you run comicbook.com and you need to post all this stuff that comes out. But would you be as into it if you didn't have that? I like finding out about. Uh, this you're stuff. a young person. You like to know everything before it happens. I am. I do like to know everything before it happens. He's got, he, uh, he used to post the gifts on Tumblr, right? Right. Exactly. You know. <laughs> How else am I going to drive those clicks? Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean, I, I, I like finding out about that stuff. I mean, there are. I will like. I thought it was a little bit overboard for Age of Ultron. That by the time I saw it, I think there was a bit of magic lost. But that could have also been because, I mean, it wasn't that great of a movie. But there will be, I think, a tipping point. Even even for me, who doesn't mind getting information ahead of time, like character names. You know, I don't. Or if I know who the character is, great. Like I don't. I'm not going to take it that extreme, Ron. But how old were you in 1999? 1999. Uh, I was 12. All right, hold on a second. I got to process that for a minute. All right. <laughs> I mean, the reason why Ron and I are being so overreactive is because we had our our hearts ripped out of our chests in 1999. And we, yeah. what Ron said is true. We went to those stores at midnight. I remember driving home from college to go see the movie and stopping along the way to buy more stuff. I mean, it's I mean just- uh, yeah, like like when when episode one came out. So what you had was you had I had a scenario with the original trilogy where I didn't know character names. Like the first time I saw Empire Strikes Back was the first time I saw Lando Calrissian. Like it was all it was all you know it was laid out in front of me you know in 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 a magical kind of way. I had no idea you know I saw Jedi in the theater. I didn't I didn't even know about Ewoks until they were on the screen. You know like it was that kind of like this pure magical discovery. And then the prequels came out, and I was on top of everything. I was on Ain't It Cool News every yep. day, hitting yep. reload, you know, and and speculating who is this, what what, are, what are these battle droids, what are they, and like all this sort of all this bullshit, right? And then we bought all the toys, and we knew character names going into it, and then it didn't line up. Like it just it, there was a disconnect. It was you know Rick O'Lee was in it for three minutes. 
You know, like it was just <laughs> that's it was just two minutes bull- too many, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it was just it was just bullshit. It was just total bullshit. So I want to go back to 1983, not knowing anything about Jedi. That's why I want to I want to be amazed. I want to be like who I want to fall in love with new characters, and I don't want to know about them because you know Annie Leibovitz took their photo in Vanity Fair. You know, like that's not I don't know. I mean, I, but it's safe to say that this movie is going to be a. Mo- I mean, they're saying this might be the first two billion dollar you know grossing movie. Well, let's let's also calm that down. I think that's part of the problem. The it, hype is is if yes. it doesn't gross two billion dollars, it'll be considered a failure, kind mm-hmm. of like people consider Ultron a failure, even though it grossed one point three billion dollars. So, right. Uh, not find really fascinating though. I was, I was I was listening to um I was listening to the Star Wars Minute guys did a kind of a hiatus episode, and they brought up a good point that the 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 top it's so Return of the Jedi came out in eighty three, Episode one came out in ninety nine. How how long is that? That's what that's sixteen years or. Yeah, about sixteen years, yep. and then the last prequel was was O five, and here we are in twenty fifteen. So ten years. Right. So, but doesn't it feel like more time has passed since the last prequel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I find it fascinating. I don't know. I, I think I think the hype is justified, whether or not it does two billion dollars or not. I don't know, but I think it's going to be enormous. I think we're going to be living in a Star Wars world for the next ten years. Yeah. But even yeah. still, I mean, even with the the information that they have put out, there's still a lot of mystery surrounding certain characters and things like that. That I still, you know, and if that's JJ's control, then then great. I like you know not knowing as much about certain characters, but but you know if that if it inevitably comes out, it's not. I don't think it's going to ruin it for me. I think it's my interest is still there to see how it all comes together on screen, as opposed to you know the pieces that make up the puzzle. But again, like so, I I went into the lions then, you know, like I went to D twenty three. That's true. And, oh yeah, right. And, yeah, and, and Connor was like, really, you're going to go do that? I'm like, well, I'm ready to close my eyes or whatever. And I'll give them credit that I w- went in and walked out and with very, very little about the movie that hasn't – like they had the costume, they had a BB-8, and they had costumes of characters, but – Stuff that I've already seen, so it wasn't you know it was stuff from the trailers and things like that. Really, the only thing was that fucking poster with the character holding a lightsaber, which I was like, God damn it! But um, <laughs> you know, like, like, like that's the kind of thing I don't want to know, you know. Like, yeah, so but uh, that's yeah. probably a really cool moment in the movie. Yeah, that yeah. now you're waiting for. Yeah, so exactly. Let's do Greg M from Medford, New Jersey. Last week saw the wrap up. I'm sorry, by the way, sorry for the jokes, Greg, about New Jersey earlier. Last week, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Saw the wrap-up of Wade and Samney's Daredevil run. I was wondering what you thought of the final issue. I know you guys weren't huge fans of Daredevil in San Francisco, but I felt they really stuck the landing, especially Chris Somney. Thoughts? Yeah, well, Chris Somney sticks the landing every time. Like that, like, I think the problems with Daredevil recently haven't been because of Somney. It's, no. because of, it's because of that story has slogged on. I, I really um, I, I loved their first volume. I really, I, the more I think about it, the more I just did not like the second volume at all. Yeah. Which unfortunately is going to taint it a little in my mind. Their whole run, just because. Yeah, I feel like it just went on a little too long. I feel like they should have stopped earlier. I just don't think they should have moved to San Francisco. Yeah, I was fine with the San Francisco issues. Well, I was of not course, fine. You love San Francisco. I was not, yeah, but I was not fine with the Shroud character, and yeah. it just felt like it, it felt like it was on repeat. It was on recycle and repeat a lot. The last the, the last couple issues with the Kingpin were strong. I thought they they were really good. I thought the last issue was good, but yeah, but I, ultimately I think it should have ended a year ago. I mean, I think I, I, they knew the the deadline that they were coming to, and so they had to spin their wheels a little bit to to make it to that point. But I, I think overall, as a run, it's still one of the best damn Daredevil runs yeah. you know in recent history. So, you know, to that end, I think you, know, you can't take away the the big wins that they had. But you know, it it could have ended a little bit stronger than I think it did. But I don't, you know, whatever. 
<laughs> just comics. <laughs> it's just comics. But yeah, congratulations to them. And and uh, so the kind of the question I have for you is that so Charles Soule and Ron Garney on the new series, are you gonna stick with it or uh, with a Shadowland esque costume? Yeah, I don't know about yep. uh, Shadowland esque or TV show esque. Yeah, I'll check the first issue out probably. I like Charles Soule. I love Ron Garney. I love Daredevil. So I mean, I'm gonna check out a lot of these all new whatever Marvel books. What is what is it? What are they calling it? All new, all different. All new, all different Marvel. I'm going to try a lot of them. See, Marvel still cares about the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> all right, our last email comes from Jason. By the way, have you noticed that they're all letter M? I have noticed that. All last names. Adam M, Greg M, and Jason M. Did you do that on purpose? Or? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't start that way, but I finished that way. So Jason M. writes in. We don't know where he's from. Hopefully not New Jersey. Uh, Jason M. writes in and says, whenever you talk sales numbers, you say that, quote, no one knows the digital sales numbers. Why is that? It's digital. There's no way Comixology doesn't know exactly how many of an issue sold at any given point. (laughs) Uh, this This should be true of all companies, but I wager a vast majority of sales come from them. At worst, they should know next day while they wait for reports to queue. I've heard that digital... Ron, stop. Be nice. I've heard that digital... Digital sales are so small that it doesn't matter, but every friend I have that does comics is digital only, and wouldn't any numbers, even if small, make a sales look better? I get why retailer numbers are guesses, but why isn't digital the true standard of success since the numbers will be accurate to the issue? It is instant and, in theory, is a sample that would represent the whole fairly well. So to answer your question, yes, Comixology knows how many <laughs> how many issues are sold, and they share that with the companies. The companies know how many are sold. What we say is nobody knows the true digital sales numbers because the companies do not want to share it. They don't want we, it public. We, 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 <laughs> when we say that, we mean the readership, the media, yeah. the people who talk about the sales. No one knows what the sales numbers are. No one knows what the print numbers are either. We say that all exactly. the time. But we don't mean like no one knows. Like we're just selling comics and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they're making money. Like <laughs> the people selling comics know how many they're selling. <laughs> As Random chat comes in the mail and being like, "Oh, I did pretty well." <laughs> as, as both as both Jim and I can attest as being former co- publisher uh, hacks, the numbers we see from Diamond are not accurate, are not real, um, and the digital numbers are not. Now, Jim, why aren't the digital numbers shared publicly? Uh, it's it's comics' dirty little secret. So, yep, and it, I think it will uh, forever be because it's probably not that great. Yeah, no, that that that's the thing is that they that, that nobody wants to step forward and show what their number is for two reasons. One, because then the first reaction is, oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. second reaction will be all the other publishers going, okay, like, like, okay, they sold X amount of that book, so then we can extrapolate the rest of their line and compare that to how we're doing, and that's an indicator of who's doing better or worse, and everybody wants to give an air of success, and so nobody actually wants to fess up and show what the numbers are. If publishers had their way, Diamond would not put out sales numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. you know, and it's comics is weird in that way where, you know, everyone else like there is a, a system to measure things like box office sales, TV ratings, yeah. etc. There is not sound, something like that for comics. For records. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's nothing like that for comics. And it just goes to show how sometimes com- the comics industry is a little backwards. Broken. There's the sad but true answer to your question there, Jason. But um, yeah, and yeah, I'm and, and you you might think that that digital sales are a good you know uh, Nielsen's rating sample size of what the sales are, but they're not either. You know, like I, I mean, they're they're not any indicator. You know, while I was an image, there were books that sold nothing in digital and sold great in print, and vice versa. Yeah. Sad but true. Sad but true stories from the comic industry, <laughs> starring Jim Vizcardi and Ron Richards. That's a, that's a, that should be our new podcast. That's <laughs> yeah. it. 
Oh, that would be a really popular podcast, by the way. It would, yeah. from From the trenches. <laughs> Email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOY-326-2697. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and you don't have to have a last name starting with M to write us in. Anyone. Or, we'll, we'll or, be, from, or be from New Jersey. Yeah. New Jersey people yeah. are also allowed to write us in. Yeah. Uh, we accept all emails from all people. Keep it around 30 seconds and uh, if you call our voicemail line. Some quick plugs. Uh, as we mentioned, episode 501 was last week. We recorded the video of it. If you haven't seen that, it's up on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. It's also on our website at, in the post for the show uh, for, or for the, the post about the video anyway. Uh, so if you haven't watched that video and you want to see Josh uh, get so drunk he almost falls out of his chair at one point, that's uh, that's where you do it. <laughs> Good times. Which I yeah. think was a shocker and a surprise to all of us involved. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a point where Ron and I are like, is this happening? <laughs> this is, we're going to look back on the 501 and say this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> so you can check that out uh, over at iFanboy.com or over at YouTube. Yes, and you can also over at iFanboy.com check out uh, Josh dusted off the mic and did a talk explode. He connected with our good friend Mark Miller and, and chatted about Mark Miller's books and his recent uh, creator own success. And uh, really, and I, I listened to it. I thought it was a return to form. I told Josh you should do more of those. If you would like to hear more talk explodes, if you enjoyed the Mark Miller talk, talk explode and you want to hear more, post on iFanboy.com or, or, or write us on Twitter and let us know if you want to hear more of this. But uh, check it out. It was, a, it was a fun time. And then, Jim, what are, what are you up to over there in your little fiefdom? Oh, you know, uh, if you guys like to catch up, if you want to know what's going on, every little bit of minutia detail on movies and TV and comics, then comicbook.com is obviously the place that you should be going to. We've got a ton of great stuff, and we'll make sure to keep you updated on anything and everything that you like, literally. Listen, if you, if you want to see the 17 details about Diggle's new costume on Arrow in a gallery, <laughs> go to comicbook.com and start clicking. Just, just right. get there just start clicking randomly on everything you can. Yeah. Yeah, eight eight Easter eggs in the Legends of Tomorrow <laughs> teaser photo. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There's a lot of things in there. Look, <laughs> these are connections to comics. We are keeping that alive. We're keeping comics alive. Yep. All right. Fair enough. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Head over to ifanboy.com where we no longer keep comics alive, and you can comment on this show. <laughs> talk about this week's books. You can find all of our other podcasts, like the Talksplode that Ron just mentioned. That's all over at ifanboy.com. You can follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy and at ifanboy on Twitter. That's where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And uh, you can follow us individually at, at Jim Viscardi, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Ron XO. And if you enjoy this, if you enjoy ifanboy, if you enjoy the wonderful world of podcasts, uh, help spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell the folks at your comic book shop. Tell anybody who, you know, if, they, if they've just discovered podcasts through Mark Maron or Serial, be like, hey. Well, they, they did invent the podcast, so. Well, they invented it, yeah. It's, but it's hey, a... there, there are some guys, there are some pioneers before them doing uh, called ifanboy. You should check it out. Go to iTunes, write a review. That's always helpful. We appreciate everybody who does that. And thanks for helping spread the love of ifanboy. Jim, thanks for stepping in. Thanks for joining us. Always a well, pleasure. Thank you, guys. We survived an hour together talking comics. How about that? Yeah, uh, I only spoiled one thing for you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for this week's show. So until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Jim. And hey, how about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask. Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Star Wars! Those near in Star Wars! My seventh winner up here! Star